0: Hi, I'm Forrest Griffin. Brian Carraway. And Mr. Pace.
1: What's up, guys? This is Joseph Benavidez, UFC flyweight.
0: Hi, this is Greg Jackson, and you're listening to It's MMA Zing, and that is an amazing pun.
1: Get
2: it? Like MMA, but amazing? Amazing. Radio. Greetings and salutations, and welcome to another episode of It's an Amazing Podcast. I am here. <laughs> Bobby gave me a look that totally <laughs> threw me off. I am here not alone. I am here with Dr. Law. Ahoy. And also Kid Presentable. Because someone's always got to say it. Sup. Thank you. Uh, and we are down one Lavender Grooms uh, this week, but uh, a lot to discuss. We just are coming off of uh, UFC 260. We have a new heavyweight champion, and we also have our first vaccinated member of the crew. Bobby, how does it feel to be completely immune to COVID-19?
1: I, I mean, I got to wait a couple weeks till I'm totally immune. Let me just say that second shot is a bit of a doozy. I, t- say. I, I, I just laid in bed all of yesterday, basically. My dog thought I was dying. <laughs>
2: how, how do you feel How do you feel today though after one day of rest day two I was of, of okay. being vaccinated yeah
1: okay. I'm, I'm doing okay i mean you know everybody should do it it's worth it
0: so you know i haven't even gotten my first shot yet but i know i have this uh simpsons clip queued up for when i do get my shot and it's when uh mr burns goes so you're saying i'm completely indestructible <laughs> it's like actually no you know the slightest breath, completely indestructible bobby that's you right now you can go around hugging all the townspeople Dude, kissing
1: babies again a real talk i can't wait for you guys to get it so that we can just like go eat at a restaurant that's really it that's all i want to do is go eat at a restaurant yeah. that's it that, that's all i want to do it's well, very low.
2: very very soon and another person i'm sure is feeling indestructible right now is francis nugano who captured his heavyweight championship belt from uh Stipe. This past Saturday, um, and because I was the lone person picking uh, Francis to win this fight, I thought it would only be uh, suitable that Con- I break Congratulations, down, but- by the way, sir. Apologies for interrupting, but congratulations for being the one no. that was right by well, picking the favorite. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't give myself full credit because while I did pick the person right, my analysis was a hundred percent off, and that's what I care about more. Just luckily picking one of two fighters to win is not, you know, I don't think that's much of an accomplishment to break down the fight and have it. Come to fruition the way I broke it down would have been much sweeter, but that's not really what happened. Um, you know, last week I talked about I wanted to see Francis be aggressive uh, and really go after it and, and make Stepe make mistakes, and we saw the opposite, which was you know the correct strategy. His coaches really had him tuned up for this fight, and I think it, it counterbalanced Stepe's strategy which the first round was you know, pretty ho-hum. There wasn't a ton of action. I think Stepe really expected Francis to come out there, guns blazing, try to get him out there quick, which is what happened in the first fight, which I incorrectly remembered or recalled. But we saw a really calm, collected Francis, and we saw what I really liked about this fight. We talked about it last week. The lead-up to this rematch... We didn't really learn a lot about a lot new from Francis. You know, we always knew that he had crazy power. We knew that he's super aggressive and he's extremely dangerous in those uh, in the first opening round. But we didn't really see a lot of new skill sets displayed, and we saw a lot of that in this fight. He utilizes kicks a lot more. He switched stances and do a really great high kick that kind of you know rocks Bay a little bit. Uh, Probably what's getting the most talk of the town is, you know, midway through that uh, first round, Stipe shot in for a shot. And Francis, you know, while he didn't immediately have the right hand position to, to fend off that single leg, he quickly did dig in the underhooks. And more importantly, he sprawled out. And I think that's really where a lot of people were impressed was like, okay, this guy's learning wrestling. And then to cap that off from the sprawl, he swept around, took his back got back control and then took Stipe down and landed, you know, he didn't have a lot of time to land, to land some good ground and pound, but you know, he did what he could. Um And then he, he kind of continued to wrestle Stipe for a second, which I thought DC had the right analysis. Like he shouldn't be doing this. He's going a little too far, which I, again, have to give more credit to Francis. He also stopped, you know, once, once he kind of got back and he knew like, okay, I don't have an advantageous wrestling position. I don't have his back anymore. You know, I'm gonna go back to standing. Um, when in between the first and second round, uh, Stipe's corner kind of told him to get more aggressive. Steph, you want to chime in?
0: Oh, I mean, it's, it's nothing serious. It's just I I don't know about you guys, when when he hit that sprawl, it, I had like that Happy Gilmore moment of like, uh oh, Happy learned how to putt. Yeah, <laughs> like,
1: I was gonna say, I, I I almost pooped myself a little. I'm like, uh oh, uh oh, uh oh, like, that, that was his weakness, guys. That was it. That was your chance. That I'm was like, your uh, chance to stop this monster. Yeah, I'm like, uh
0: oh,
1: <laughs> we have a problem.
2: Yeah, and you know, going off of that. I think Stipe knew going into the second, In his corner told him he needed to get a little bit more aggressive. You know, Francis wasn't going to tire himself out with the pace that he was setting. So Stipe kind of had to make him tired. He had to make this guy work. And what I liked going into that second round, as Stipe did get more aggressive, we we saw early glimpses of what would be the, the finishing blow, which every time Stipe would try to get in the pocket to throw jabs, Francis had a counter left hook lined up and ready to go. Um, eventually he he would land that left hook and finish the fight, but before that he did a right straight into kind of like a step left jab or a left straight, which rocks deep had him hurt. Um, and then we saw a little bit of that berserker Francis. You know, I think once Francis got that left straight and, and kind of rocked him good, he went a little crazy. You know, he got in a clinch position. He threw some, a lot of punches. He threw a really good uppercut. And then after that uppercut, he kind of chased Stipe. He threw a big left hook, overcommitted, missed, uh, very reminiscent of that first fight. And that's where Stipe had his best shot, which DC also called was kind of the worst thing to happen. He landed a nice counter right straight on Francis, and he incorrectly thought that was the, the tides changing in his factor, right? He thought he had Francis hurt. He went on the attack, and when he went on the attack, he got hit with that big counter left hook. And that punch was the end of the fight. Francis finished it with a big hammer fist to, to to close it out, but it was a fantastic showing from Francis. It was not exactly what I thought he would do to to get the win, but it wasn't you know going into that second round, it definitely seemed like, okay, this guy's learned, and he's going to wait for that that moment to materialize and once it did, he did capitalize on it. um so Bobby, I do want to go to you, you know now that we have a new champion obviously you know a- after any card it's always about you know what's going to happen next you know um and there's a couple interesting fights for francis um there's obviously i think a lot of people outside of i think the elephant in the room is john jones right like we, we know he's going up to heavyweight he's been talking about you know there's been lots of talk that when he does move to heavyweight he's going to get an immediate title I mean, shot they-,
1: they said that before the pay-per-view that dana White at they- press they- conference was talking about how Dan- john jones probably fights the winner so, I will say
2: I only watched the top three fights of this card and it's nothing else. Besides Honestly, it's for the best.
1: I'm realizing I, I dislike the sport when I get when I get out of the realm of the bell to bell action. I start disliking everybody. <laughs> yeah, that's God. why I cut that stuff completely out. <laughs> I start out. disliking it's just the everyone.
2: And not even like post uh, fight stuff. But I mean, I think that the cards that are kind of on the table, right? I think John Jones is obviously the big money ticket. And we're going to get into it. There's a lot of back and forth going on with that. I think another fight that's potentially interesting and could be disastrous is him and Derek Lewis again. Um, Derek Lewis has a win over him. You know, he's the only guy that's beaten him um, in a good long while, and he's definitely a credible challenger. He's right up there in the rankings. And I think off into the into the wings is um, Gane, right? Ciro Gane. Um, I think is kind of there. I think he needs one more win to gunning in that picture. But Bob, I want to know where do you think Francis goes from here? What do you what do you want to see? What do you thinks most likely? and then also give me your thoughts on Steve and where we might see him next?
1: I, don't th- I think there's one real choice here. I don't know the fuck we're talking about. I mean, I know why we're doing it. I'm not an idiot why we're talking about other people here. The answer is John Jones, like we have the arguably the greatest fighter ever, definitely the greatest light heavyweight ever, finally willing to do what we all wanted him to do. Mm-hmm. And we have against him a supremely marketable heavyweight champion. In Francis Ngannou, I had every casual MMA fan friend of mine texting me um, afterwards about like, "Oh shit, you think John Jones can beat him?" Yada yada yada. That is the answer here. I don't even know what we're talking about. Like, I was at that Derek Lewis fight. It remains one of the worst fights anybody's ever seen. There's a myriad of reasons there. Well, really, there's two reasons. Francis Ngannou was gun shy like hell, and Derek Lewis had a bad back. I don't imagine we would get the same fight this time around.
2: That would be horrible.
1: Okay. That being said, and I love Derek Lewis. We all love Derek Lewis as much as we can. It's not the fight. The fight is John Jones. They need to make this happen. All right. And um with Stipe, honestly, um I think we all need to be thankful that we had, and I'm not saying he's definitely never gonna regain that title. Um, because he's one-on-one with this guy. Um, but I think we all gotta be thankful yeah. for having a a uh, heavyweight champion, as the interim column goes off in my house, parents' house here. Um, a heavyweight champion like Stipe, who was truly the greatest heavyweight ever, never did anything to embarrass the sport, which is very rare at this point with a lot of our other fighters, did everything right, quite frankly. He could have been more interesting. But you know what? He literally knocked everybody out. He fought. He did not go to decision with these people. What did you want him to do? Well, like, the only like, who, the only ones he went to decision with was DC, right?
2: I think like, so, yeah. What I was going to say, I think this is what, the is DC he, fight. What do we
1: want from a guy? He's the heavyweight champion. He's a goddamn hero. He knocks everybody out. Oh, we went to the decision with Francis, too, three years ago. But, like, he... None of these... He had no boring fights. And I know we're all quick to be excited about Francis, and God knows I am, too. But just... I hope we all remember that's the GOAT right there. That's the heavyweight GOAT.
2: Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, I think, obviously, the metric has definitely been title defenses, right? I think St- Stipe holds that goat at heavyweight because he's got the three title offenses, which I don't think is, you know, imagine not imaginable that someone else can, you know, do the same thing. So Steph, I wanted to bring it to you. I mean, obviously, John Jones is hovering in the wings. We've known that he's going to move to heavyweight for a long time. Um, I'm sure you heard Dana kind of throw him under the bus. I honestly just think that's him just playing this ego card. He's trying to get Jones to bite on not, you know, renegotiating the contract and having to pay more for that big fight. I think that's what we all want to see, right, more or less
0: yeah, I, I think it's a given uh, Derek Lewis, you know, with all due respect, he's just the leverage that that's all he is is he's, right. he's the he's the negotiating leverage for the u f c to be like well he he's he i mean in like, again, in fairness, he took out Bl- Curtis blades, who is he wasn't going to get a shot at Francis, you know, but he's kind of that contender in the wings if yeah. any type of opportunity ever opened, and you know Derek Lewis took his spot but like you know there's no heat there right and how how often has the ufc not gotten the big fight right because they do something they're they're unwilling to book something injuries happen right just look at tony ferguson versus Khabib, right the the great fight that never was you know you right. can't you, you got to kind of just strike when it's available um you know jones is absolutely in the right to ask for money you know he he's going on his twitter tirades unfortunately he'll never have public opinion on his side but he's that doesn't make him wrong you know, um, asking for all the money. So uh, I think cooler heads will eventually prevail. You know, um, I haven't looked at the books, but I've seen a lot of people reference pandemic or not. This was the most profitable
2: year the UFC has ever had, you know. yeah. And Steph, just to turn it, um, how do you, and we'll get, we'll break this fight down more if it materializes and we get closer to it. But how do you think John Jones would match up against Francis?
0: (laughs) That's the fun part, right? And, And this is why he has to strike when the iron's hot. Jones is my goat, right? So I think it's fair that you take it, but I'm, I'm going to flip on him. Francis learned how to sprawl,. I guys. Agree. We remember that. and like and, and here's a, the, the rough truth about John Jones. His wrestling did not look great in those last handful of light heavyweight defenses, right? He wasn't quite able to just enforce his will on Dominic Reyes. He wasn't just able to enforce his will on Tiago Santos. So we're getting a little bit of diminishing returns from John in this, too.
2: Yeah, no, Bob, I
1: what uh, yeah, what you got about. Um, I I'm hesitant to immediately pick against a man who just has knocked out five people in about I don't know, 8 minutes. Um, but we all got to remember also that John Jones has made a career of making power punchers look bad. Um, man's got a chin, right? We all kept waiting for him to have, like does he have a chin? I know he's fighting a yeah. goddamn nuclear warhead in Francis. I, I get say, that. Bob. I get that. Okay. Steve <laughs> has a good chin too. Okay. No. And honestly, no one's ever been faster than him in any of his fights. I don't think either. And he'll be faster than him. I'm not picking John Jones right now. Let me be clear about that. But I'm. I want to see it. And um, yeah. This is. I mean, are we gonna? This is, We're getting into the John Jones stuff right now, right? Like, we yeah. Give us well. some news. Okay. I can't believe we're having these fucking conversations about who's scared of who. Like, are you goddamn crazy? Like, no, does anybody in the, I I know like the Dana White, this guy doesn't want to fight stuff has started to not work as well because even my casual MMA fan friends are like, what kind of cheap asshole is Dana White? And I'm like, the cheapest, the cheapest. And he's throwing his own stars under the bus. It's really idiotic. The most important thing to Dana White are those three letters, UFC. It's the WWF business model they've adopted years ago. The three letters matter the most. That is the biggest star in the company, and you are not going to be holding to anybody over that. And I get John Jones has made five hundred mistakes, but Frankenstein, this is your monster. Like this is it. And quite frankly, they should be thankful. John Jones is not asking for back pay. They should be thankful because they've been getting John Jones and all these other stars on a discount. For John Jones has been on a discount for ten years. All right. He is asking to make it right for the next fight. And look, they can still underpay all the other fighters. You can have your uber wealthy class of Conor McGregor and Habib, or he's not fighting, but really I'm talking about Conor McGregor and John Jones and, you know, a handful of other people. And they can keep paying everybody else 50 and 50 and 40 and 40. This fight is massive. This is the biggest fight they can make at heavyweight. And I don't, I can't think of a better one, of a bigger one they could put together, to be honest. Yeah.
2: No, I agree, Um, you know, and I, I think in the coming weeks, as, you know, we see challengers materialize and we get a better picture of, you know, what is going to be next, Um, we'll probably have a lot of these conversations, and hopefully the roadmap gets clearer uh, going I th- forward. I think you and might as well
1: just pencil in John Jones versus Francis Ngannou for November in Madison Square Garden. That's what i would write be down right anything now. Anything
2: else would be a mistake, right, and would be a promoter not doing its job correctly, which, you know, they don't want to pay the big bucks, but hopefully, you know the money will, you know, figure itself out. We're going to get into the business of UFC in the news and Oh yeah. <laughs> that will point out that money has been on the company side for a while, so they should invest in a big event. I think they ultimately will. Um but I did want to get to the co-main event where we had Tyrone Woodley trying to salvage his career against um Vince Oh my god, what's his last name, Bob?
1: Luque, Vicente Luque. Luque.
2: Yeah, so I wanted to to bring it to you, you know, uh, we did see Tyrone be a lot more aggressive but ultimately you know, didn't really get it done
1: yeah you know what we went into this fight with Tyron and we have our usual laundry room discussions with guys get older and stuff and the one with Tyron was real weird honestly because it wasn't like oh he's slow now or oh you know he's lost this step or oh he's doing this step it literally looked like this man has got the MMA version of um, the yips where mm-hmm. he just couldn't go like we're like what? we're just, we're just looking at people And it looked like he fought like a guy who realized that what the impression of him was. Um for a fight that lasted uh three minutes and fifty-six seconds under four minutes, they got fight of the night. Um, let me tell you, that was the uh that was a real like movie trailer almost where we got everything. We got all the good shit. These guys went at it hard. Luke hasn't had a boring fight in his life. And Tyrone Woodley got too aggressive, man. He got too aggressive. He thought he hurt him. A couple of times, and he was hitting Luque. In fairness, and Luque is able to be hit, but then he got hit. Was it a left? What was the thing? That put him on the stanky leg. Was it a left hook? What put him? What gave him the stanky leg?
2: I think it. I think it was an overhand right. Was it the I right? He, he countered. He Woodley got really aggressive, which is yeah. what we all wanted, and he looked great, you know. And then he just he got a little telegraphy. He threw a big uppercut that I, yeah, uh, Vince could see, and he countered it good. And then once he got hurt, he made the other cardinal sin of just like now I'm just gonna wing punches even crazier Dude, than it, it, r- was it before.
1: reminded me of Woodley in earlier in his career, honestly. It reminded me of Woodley back when he fought like Nate Marquardt Because we haven't seen Woodley get put out. I don't think. Has he been put out in the UFC? I don't remember, honestly.
2: Like, I, Marquardt did. They mentioned that. That was him. in Strike no, Force. I mean, that was
1: in strike force, I mean.
2: Yeah, it was. Yeah, that was right. That was the right force right title. Yes. Yeah, maybe the only time. So in it
1: reminded me of that where I'm just like, it would look like he just like got too confident in the hands and he was just, and he's kind of got the Overeem thing where he like is standing there. His eyes are open and the lights aren't home. Uh, no one's home when the lights are on. Mm-hmm. And he was, he had a stanky leg going for a good 40 seconds. It felt like, and then he got the old Kevin Randleman special, uh, both getting choked out and tapping out. So it was, it went as bad as possible. He got knocked out, choked out and tapped out all at once. And if that was the last fight on his contract, I don't want to say the UFC was being nice giving him fight of the night and making sure he got an extra uh, extra 50K on the way at the door. But I was a little surprised when they gave him fight of the night, personally. I didn't watch the whole card, but I was surprised. Yeah, I was going to
2: say I didn't see – I only saw these three fights. But seeing that, I thought it was worth it. That was an exciting four minutes. Um, so, Steph, I want to go to you. I think – Luque is in a really shitty position. This was a huge win for him. A big, you know, finishing Woodley. But I think the problem that he has is that he fought Thompson Wonderboy, right? And Wonderboy's kind of been in the pack ahead of him. And the problem there is that they don't want to give fucking Wonderboy a title shot. How is Luke going to get it? So where do you think he's going to factor in into the rest of the division and, like, what's next for him?
0: Yeah, I mean, he called out the Diaz brothers because why wouldn't you want to do that? That's not, bad. not happening. It's not bad, no, it's but not. I, the Diaz brothers are going to say, they're going to be like, who? You know, they're like, I, I have no idea who this guy is. Um, I believe Luke has a loss to Leon Edwards as well, which is another tough thing, because right. um, that's another guy who, uh, I think, you know, coming off the thing is, I don't need an immediate rematch with Bilal, because it wasn't that compelling, but I don't think he gets a title shot. I think that's his punishment, is he needs to take another, so he really is in a no-man's land. Um, you know, if I, I don't think Moss at all is hard booked, but it seems that's the way we're going, right? For Kamaru. That's booked.
1: No, that's commercial. That's
0: booked. That's, so, that's,
1: a, that's a commercial now, yeah. <laughs> it's not sexy, but it's like,
0: it's it's Colby or, it's, it's, you know, it's rematch town. Like, there, there's there's just kind of a holding pattern right there between four guys, between Leon Edwards, between Colby Covington, between Wonder Boy, between Luke a. So that So that, that's the back, you know, six, I guess. Um yeah. What do you yeah, got, Bob? Go ahead,
1: Bob. I got a question. Is Chiesa fighting Covington or not? Because that's what he wanted. Because Chiesa's six right now. And Kiesa yeah, he's right somebody... there, too. Yeah. I think him and Luque would be interesting, but for the love of God, I don't think Luque wants that fight. But that would be interesting.
2: Yeah, that's a good good point, Bob. It's
1: It could be a thing, but like I could
0: see, like you said, it doesn't move either of them ahead of anyone else.
1: It kind of eliminates it one of It kind of just huh? keeps
0: them at the spot they're already at. you know. So it's like... One should fight Leon. why one they wouldn't should, want
1: to. One should fight Colby. One, if they're not going to? Colby should fight Kiesa. But if that doesn't happen, I mean, I don't know if Colby's going to fight anybody.
0: I only want whoever is going to beat Colby to fight Colby. Yeah, I, I don't Wonder, like well, if I, I want Wonderboy. Colby Wonder Boy just to, fights these guys that he beats. Like, I, want, I don't I,
1: like that. I want Wonderboy to fight Colby. That'd be good I, too. I think. I think if Colby trying to be mean and Wonderboy would just be smiling. <laughs> <laughs> just being a nice guy. <laughs> well, it definitely how seems do you like be
0: racist to the other uh, northeast white guy? You know, it, it's hard.
1: Yeah, exactly.
2: The guy from South. But it does seem like, yeah, we have like a group of seven guys and you know, some of them have already fought in each other. But I think, you know, he's definitely solidified himself as a top contender. It's just he's in a shitty position right now, right, where he's not close because there's guys ahead of him that have beaten him. Um do we think this is the end of Woodley Bob? Is this kind of curtains? Is he gonna go to Bellator? Is he definitely gonna well, Yeah, get what, cut? what are we
1: saying like the end for? End of his UFC career? Yes. I don't I think And his contract is fighting, UFC? I don't think he I don't know if he needs the money. Let me be clear about that. Woodley seems like a very smart guy and he does a lot of other stuff. He's he's got like a show on TMZ. He's got some music career. I don't know how it's well it's going. He's got some acting stuff going here and there. Um I know he owns that gym, I think, also. That ATT okay. and whatever. I think he would be ripe for Bellator. He started his career with Scott Coker, after all. Um, <laughs> I, I came out of this fight more, more like, not that I wanted him to him fight UFC fighters. Even, but even, by the way, to be clear, I mean, his, his four losses are Usman, Burns, Covington, Luke, That could just be the four best welterweights in the world. Literally, that list. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't really necessarily need, I don't think they're going to pay him the money to fight middling to lower level talent that he w- deserves or the, as a star no, his star power commands. The UFC doesn't pay stars necessarily and keep them around to, lo- you know, not going to sign him to a new contract and pay him 150 grand a fight. You know what for I mean? For sure, yeah. So Scott Coker will. Scott Coker will pay him that much money. And they're doing tournaments. I mean, I think PFL would be interesting for him.
2: That's true. I mean, that could R- be enticing for him. Him and
1: Rory again. I mean, he lost that fight. Maybe he wants to run that back. That'd be interesting if he's, uh, he viewed that because Rory's in PFL. I think Bellator's kind of made for him, though, just coming in once every six months, fighting, you know.
2: I do wonder if he still has the drive. He, he,
1: this moments, fight he despite me more of it. He did, yeah, because mostly he
2: always seemed like the guy, kind of like DC, like if he wasn't going to fight for the belt or be in that conversation, did he really have the motivation to go? I, I don't know, because I, I do think there are greener pastures outside of the UFC where I think he can really excel and make, you know, a good buck if that's what he's in it for. But, you know. It's a grueling business, um, it, but it will be really interesting to see where Woodley goes. I, like you, Bob, I, I kind of hope he he's not he, UFC cuts him, and if he if he wants to continue to fight, he does find one of those um, other organizations because it would be nice to see him in lower competition, really be able to utilize his skills. But that being said, those pages have been turned. It's the Sugar O'Malley show now, Steph, and w- you know we didn't know how he was going to come back losing to Vieira. But Bob, you want to ch- chime in before we get into the Sugar Show? You're muted. Sorry. Uh,
1: Sorry. Woodley at the desk is actually something I'd like to see more of. He at the desk is better than pretty much everybody they've put at the desk. I don't mean commentary. I mean like the bo- like back at like studio, him yeah. and Dominic were always my two favorites. And I think if him leaving the UFC, I hope that he was still have those opportunities. I, you know, Chael still works for ESPN after all. So I
2: agree. Like you and Mike said, he's got a clean cut. Get that, get that man on television. He looks good. But we have another man who maybe doesn't look as classically handsome as Tyrone Woodley, but he definitely has, you know, some charismatic hair and he fights fantastic. Um, Again, we're talking about uh, uh, Sean O'Malley. And he came back against Thomas Almeida. A lot of questions we had, you know, his last fight, he lost, you know, more or less due to injury to his, his foot, which is kind of a uh, cornerstone of his whole, you know, fighting combat style of a lot of movement. But we saw a really good, pretty good performance out of him, huh, stuff.
0: Yeah, I mean, before I get into my compliments, I'm gonna put on my uh, angry old man hat, and uh, the, we saw an uptick in face tattoos on Sean O'Malley. Uh, so uh, it's, if it's, if, yeah, if, I if didn't you notice look at the, the the trailer parks resident methy badass, uh, that's what Sean O'Malley looked going for. He's a big fan of uh, Post Malone, I take it, right? But um, yeah, like you said, there were a lot of questions kind of coming off of that. Uh, the uh, what's his name? Is it? Vera, yeah, Marlon Vera, yeah, yeah Marlon Vera. Um, she, is he Cheeto? <laughs> yes, correct. <laughs> Anyways, but um, you know, and, and I, I think we were breaking it down. I was pointing it out, right? Um, the kid's incredibly talented. He's super young, kind of came like a, a a bat out of hell. But if there's one thing we've been concerned about is he he's not shown the most durability, right? I likened him to one Dominic Cruz, who has had a lot of injuries on his wheels. Um, over the years and it really just sapped away the best years Um, so how would this kid react uh, was a thing and you know the the commentary I've given him a lot of credit or not credit but discredit in recent weeks but they were on that same narrative here and I I was along with them Um, I was just concerned right and props to Almeida I I was really harsh on him you know Um, I I was mean and this is four in a row but the kid is tough you know he, he really hung in there with a lot of shots um, that first round was all O'Malley, right? It was O'Malley styling on him with switches, going high-low, really mixing up the kicks and the punches. He landed a really heavy like left head kick. Um, mm-hmm. and it, I think it might have broken Almeida's nose because I saw that was smashed in pretty good. And just the fact that Almeida did not go out from that. Um, O'Malley sure wished he did. You know, uh, they, they, they rightfully called out O'Malley. He was hunting for the moment. He was hunting for the highlight, right? He wanted to do another walk-off where he just ends it. But, um, you know, props to Almeida. He, he still hung in the fight. And he ended up going in a whole other, like, you know, round and a half. He, he made it through the second round alive. Um, and it, you started to wonder, you know, he, he was hitting back. He was getting, Almeida himself was getting a lot of good kicks in on O'Malley. And that was also kind of going with this narrative. Like, how is O'Malley taking these kicks, right? I think, Bob, you said maybe his footwork didn't look all there a couple times um, or he was uh-huh. eating them a little tough.
1: I don't know, I might have been just looking for something, but, like, both me and Mike were watching, where, like, the leg that was wrapped up more, it just, like, there was a couple times where he moved, where I'm like, that looked weird. But Was again, one wrapped I, up more than the other? The left leg is the one that I was mean, up. I mean, he
0: had the ankle tape on both of them.
1: I thought the left one was the one that was more wrapped up. As, but I don't know, maybe, because both, like, I mean, I, I might have been just looking for something, because I didn't see anybody else say anything, but I was just like, I mean, looked, I mean, he looked great in a fight Taylor made for him to look great, to be clear, but I did think, like, I'm I'm just waiting for something to fall off on this kid. I'll be honest. That's the way I'm looking at him.
0: Yeah, it's it's not a skill thing with him that we're worried about. You know, like I said, I, I was kind of in on the narrative too of is he going to be injury prone? But he moved really well in that fight, right? You know, um, the thing about the Lisfranc, Frank, which is a foot injury, is that it can be really recurring. You know, it's not a it's one of those things is once you have it, you're kind of prone to it having it again, which is kind of the concerning thing. But in this case. You know, it didn't happen. He used that foot as a weapon. Um, I can't remember the final sequence that he ultimately got him with, but um, the power is there. The speed is there. And they pointed out, too, for this weight class, Sean O'Malley is unreasonably tall and lanky. Like, you know, we've, we've made a lot of criticisms of the long guys in division who don't know how to use their reach well. O'Malley does. He has the jabs. He has the push kicks. He has the sidekicks. On top of all the spinning, flashy shit and the heavy kicks, he, you know he his striking is really, really high level, um, and it, it is kind of amazing that uh, Marlon Vera did kind of whoop that ass a little bit. Uh, all things considered, but um, you know, coming out of this, I saw someone recommended it, and I would kind of like to see it too uh, for in terms of what's next for
2: him. I'd like to see him fight Dominic Cruz. <laughs> Yeah. Bob mentioned that earlier to me. I think him and Dominic match up really well. I think it's an interesting fight. I think there's a lot of guys at Bantamweight that would be interesting for Sean. He didn't really have a call out for after this fight. He just wants another exciting fight. I think that's the right thing. Um, I still think he needs to build a little bit. But what do you think, Bob?
1: I actually, uh, Dominic is the one who asked for the fight. And I was doing what I do now during the day on weekdays while I'm working is listen to the Pat McAfee sports talk show. And Sean O'Malley was on it today, which, by the way, this kid's going to be, if he can keep this going, he's made for, you know, national exposure. They love this kid. <laughs> he said that he'd love to fight Dominic. He says, that'd be big for me. And he says, I would love to fight Dominic in July as the co main event to Connor and Dustin 3. So the kid's not, nice. the kid knows, this kid knows the words that come out of his mouth. Yeah, someone who I told you, I would love to see Dominic and Aldo, but shit, the idea of Dominic fighting this young guy and Dominic's footwork even as an older age dealing with him would be interesting to watch. Yeah. I think there's, I
2: think uh, sugar Sean O'Malley has a lot of interesting matchups ahead of him. I think he has a bright future. It was good to see him get back on the horse and look good. And, you know, even maybe more impressive than his offensive output was just, you know, like Steph mentioned, it's just how good he is defensive and how elusive he is. Cause I think at one point they had the, uh, the stats up for, you know, how many head body and leg hits and, it wasn't so much what O'Malley was putting out that interests me. It was what Almeida, it was like two to the head, two to the body and four to the leg. in the second round It's just like, this guy's hard to hit. Cause he's like, he said, Steph, he's elusive. He's lengthy and he uses that length really well. So it's going to be interesting to see where uh, Sean O'Malley goes from this. And like Bob said too, he, he has fantastic charisma. Uh, I think he's, you know, we definitely have a star. They just need to mold him a little bit more. Um, you know, I didn't really catch any more of this card, but Bob, I know there were some highlights here. Uh, I don't know if Jamie's nickname is No, but it should be Jamie No Malarkey. But he had a good performance, right? Can you give us any other highlights of this card that you think people should maybe check out?
1: I mean, Malarkey knocked the motherfucker out in, a, in 48 seconds. I mean, he just hit him with a jumping left hook, and that dude was done fighting. That was great. And I swear to God, like, I, 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 we spent two days, Internet, give me some fucking Biden memes with Malarkey with this guy's name on it. I gotta say, Mark,
0: um, this is a nitpick of mine, but it's a thing that I notice. This <laughs> is why his nickname cannot be No Malarkey, because Buffer is incapable of putting the nickname in the middle. He yeah. always it puts end. it at, at the first. He says it before the name. Even when it's supposed to go in the middle, and it makes it awkward sometimes, and it's a thing I hate about Buffer, he would call him No Jamie Malarkey. <laughs> and so, he just can't do it. That's well, one of Buffer's fun yeah.
2: spots. That's, that's a good point. If it's not going to work, don't go for it. Uh, and then Bob, I that, was, that was it. a
1: big one for him, though, man. That was a big win for him. I mean, no one knew who the hell he was. He went out there and knocked the guy out on a pay-per-view that did big business, for sure. A lot of people were talking about this. Actually, I
0: still don't know who he is.
1: <laughs> I mean, this was a number. I mean, GANU and, and Stipe was the number one post on Reddit for a day and a half, it felt like. So, yeah, that was a big fight card for him to, you know, and show then, people what's what.
2: Uh Manfield, he had a Von Flu choke, right? I think that's the only other thing I heard from. Yeah, this card. I
1: thought I thought I heard the announcer called a Von Pru. I thought the uh, I thought the um I thought Buffer called it a Von Pru choke for a moment. Right, and I got real excited. I got real excited. I'm like, we're gonna get OSP some love. He might have more than, you know, anybody else now. But he got him with a Von Flu choke. Um Metafield is like someone to keep an eye out for, but I don't think we're at a point yet to be like I mean, getting a win like this is I mean, impressive. Don't get me wrong. But I know there was a weight miss, and I honestly don't know if it was him or not. Okay, um, fair enough. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I mean, no, no. so um, I, you know what? I apologize, Menefield. You didn't miss weight; the other guy did. But yeah, that was a big win for him. And see where it goes from here.
2: <laughs> yeah. Uh. So that kind of closes the book on UFC 260. Not only do we have a big title fight in a big card. There's a lot of news breaking uh, since the last podcast, and I'm going to start out with something that's probably not as big. We're going to get into the Endeavor stuff because I think that's more big business. That's big picture stuff. But something that really just kind of shocked me, which is kind of, you know, few and far between in MMA was Misha Tate announcing her comeback. It has been five years since Misha Tate hung it up after she lost to uh, Raquel Pennington kind of unceremoniously um, and since then, you know, keeping tabs on her, she, I, I believe, I don't know if she's still working for 1FC. She became like their VP of, I don't know, communications or what have you. She uh, got pregnant. She's had a kid. It, it definitely seemed like her fighting days were past her. So to hear her come back was kind of surprising. Um, and from what I heard, and 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 you guys, please expand if you heard more. Is she just got the itch. Um, she wanted to come back. I don't think the picture got any clearer. Like Amanda Nunez is still at the head of the game. That's who she lost the belt to. I don't think she's going to – I don't see anything in her that's going to be able to come back and beat Amanda Nunez. So it does seem like she's just purely in it for the competition of it all. But what do you guys think? Did this kind of throw you guys as much as it did me?
1: No, because this is MMA. And while it's been a few years, I think having a kid makes a difference. And sometimes where you want your – I don't know how old, how old her daughter is now. But I think there's like a couple of things here where someone will want to prove that they can come back from that athletically. You know, the toll that having a child can have on your body is one. And two, a lot of people like want to see – want their child to see them perform maybe Um, and what why mommy is famous. You know, Um, this isn't like the same thing at all. But I remember like in wrestling when Goldberg came back, Goldberg said he wants his kid to see him wrestle because his kid never saw his first run. Some shit like that where maybe like Misha wanted like, you know – to show her daughter, you know, a bunch of people cheering for her, though theoretically, well, like we have crowds now, I guess, so not theoretically, but I That's think that her. might be some. Also, she left a lot of money on the table, man.
2: She did. She was still a draw. I mean, <laughs> it, it's it's been a while now, but it's it's hard to remember. She was the main event of UFC 200. You know, that was a huge card. That obviously had some. The plan wasn't Misha Tate, Amanda Nunes for the main event, but that's how it worked out. Um, You know, she was a former champion. She was very popular. She commanded a hefty paycheck. Um, It'll be interesting to see how she comes back. Um, Just to round it out, Steph, did that surprise you at all? Do you have any thoughts on Misha Tate coming back? Is there anyone you'd want to see her fight against? It's
0: it's, it's simultaneously yes and no. Uh, Bob, he made the perfect parable of pro wrestling. Right. Um, something uh, our, our, our friend Dave Batista said is that, like there needs to be two types of retirement. There's like retired, retired, which is what I am, and other retirement where people are going to come back. Um, but, you know, anytime your primary earnings stop before the age of 50, there's still a lot of life to live, right? And sure. do, are you really that well set? And then, you know, there could also just be the competitive aspect too. Cause if, you know, if you've attained the pinnacle of your profession, you know, part of you itches, can you still do it? So there could be a number of reasons, but like so I'm not shocked that someone who was, you know, big parentheses like or big quotation marks retired is unretired. But to hear it was M- Misha Tate and that she's coming back to the UFC because, like you said, I thought she was working for some other organization, even if it was just like entitled as an ambassador role. Um it's tough to say what I want to see her do because it's like, are you coming back to make a real run? Are you coming back to have a one off to test the waters? So it's like you know, is it basically is it a showcase fight or are you trying to say you have one left run in you? You know, because yeah. that kind of changes what the matchmaking is too. I
1: yeah. like that her opponent is someone who's having her own retirement fight, that fight. Marion Renault. Marion Renault. Oh, that's right, set. that's
2: right. Yeah. Marion
1: got Marion got in a little bit at a later age too. I think she's
2: I, I think she's past forty now, isn't she? She's up there. She,
1: I, I think she's close to it, but she said this is it for her, which is an interesting parable right
2: there. Yeah, that's true. So time will tell. Um, I want to get out of the way. That that one did kind of surprise me. I'm a big Misha Tate fan. I, after five years, I just did not expect her to come back. But you know, let's get the book the books out. Let's get the accounting spreadsheets out, Bob, because there's business a been afoot. Um, Endeavor I guess came out and said that the UFC was responsible for eighty percent of all of its profits for twenty twenty. Which kind of makes sense, you know, a lot of things talent-wise, you know, movies and stuff have been kind of slowed down in 2020. The UFC definitely got back on that ball. So, what else did we learn about that? You
1: know, I. By the way, I feel, if anybody wants to go back and listen to this podcast from a year ago, where um, I think we all said it, we all pointed out, like, hey, they're owned by a talent agency that can't do anything else. Maybe that's why they're so desperate to end up at the fucking Tachi Palace and run shows right now. Very true. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. Um, Basically, Endeavor wanted to IPO, and I'm not an expert in describing why these things do or don't work, but they tried the IPO um, a few months, it was this, five, six months ago. Um, I'm sorry, September 2019. God, I have no concept of time anymore. Um, and it did not go well. A lot of that is because they had a lot of bad, I guess they had a lot of risky uh, debt, I guess, or risky loans out there. Um, but because the UFC is viewed as such a good investment they want to uh, ipo uh, they want to approach another ipo this time while having complete ownership of the ufc or mm-hmm. close to it and 40 percent of the ufc is currently owned by uh i think silver lake capital and another just i think group of investment firms or whatever at that and what point. about the saudis didn't they have like 10 percent or something i think they dumped it when it was sold ultimately okay. at the okay. beginning there so um I think Lorenzo owns like 2% or some shit, too, at the back end here, probably. still getting a little uh, bit on
2: the back end, <laughs>
1: Lorenzo. I Basically, this sport's a lot of – this sport's big business, man, and its value has probably increased even Um, and this time. I still think uh, ESPN's kicking itself for not buying the whole sport when they could have. Yeah. They could have bought the UFC um, when they're paying UFC $400 million a year. And they're paying them for whatever X number of years and they sold for four billion. You start doing some quick math. Yeah, you're like, oh, almost
2: own them already. So
1: yeah. Um I think when we all when that's why when like you got people like John Jones or any fighter taking a stance for money, the the reason this sport was able to make them the the reason the UFC makes the money it does partly is because they keep the fighter wages at between sixteen and twenty percent annually. And Look, I don't just blame. I mean, this isn't just like UFC evil because this is America, and you know, you got to negotiate your rates and salaries. And if the the, the UFC is not running a charity, and quite frankly, capital, Capitalism, yeah, baby. like if if you agree to fight, if if the if every UFC fighter agreed to pay to fight for, you know, fourteen dollars an hour, they would pay him fourteen dollars an hour. Like it's the way it is. Um, Endeavor's trying to become a publicly traded company here, man. What so their goal is here, I'd be it'd be fun to see the books open up entirely though. Let me tell you that. I mean, everything we know is from the lawsuit. Um, it truly opening up would be really fun to Right, see I think that's everything. an interesting
2: point, Bob. We'll bring it to the next thing. Uh, Reebok, right? I guess their contracts just about done, and we got it's some. Done? That was in- it. Yeah, and we got some information right about you know, I guess. And this is I'm basing it completely off of what you told us, right? Like they were they promised the fighters that they would make seventy million over the course was it five years this contract was? I think it was seven
1: fucking years maybe seven know. years. It was, it was pretty much seventy million dollars was supposed to be the value of the Reebok deal where the UFC said they were taking none of the money. And this isn't right. me accusing this isn't me accusing the UFC of taking the money. But based on the guidelines of what people got paid, 40 million dollars went to the fighters. Granted, I'm assuming there is some overhead cost in administering this program and I don't know building the stupid fucking Reebok lockers you see in every backstage shot and stuff and i freak. don't th- i don't think that all that costs 30 million dollars necessarily a
2: million dollar locker Unless,
1: is back then? Uh, this is the thing i wonder if the ufc's paying for cost of goods at this point too like are they paying for the raw materials again i'm not accusing them of pocketing the money but the deal looks even worse now because the math wasn't good before that was you know they were getting before that, you know? Yeah. I've always been really upset
2: ever since that happened. Cause like, okay, you took the sponsors off their shorts. So the fighters don't get any money, but you kept them on your fucking octagon. It just seems gross. Um, you know, I want to leave it at that because let's get into some silly business now <laughs> because we got some fucking silly business with this, uh, thriller promotion and their Ben Askren, Jake Paul, Logan Paul, it's Jake Paul, Right. We already knew that this was kind of a shit show and we knew it was going to be just kind of like a weird event. But when they announced their commentating team is the guy from SNL, some Victoria's secret model. And like, was there a fighter or two announced in there?
1: I think Albert's needs announced- Al still on there and stuff. Poor Albert's is on there.
2: When <laughs> they announced what Bieber is going to have a performance. Dude, Super it
1: dog. is. It is. It looks so
2: fucking weird. <laughs> it seems almost more concert now than a fighting event. Um, but I also, I think something quasi-relevant, uh, Frank Mir's opponent was supposed to be, was it Antonio Carver?
1: Tarver. Antonio Tarver, yeah.
2: Tarver, yeah. And I guess he fell out, right? So they, they did find another replacement opponent opponent for uh, Frank Mir. But I mean, this show, the more we, the closer we get to it, and I think it's like mid-April, right? So we're, we're really getting close I to this thing 17th. happening. 17th. 17th, yeah. So we're really, you know... As as it becomes closer to fruition and we hear about the lineup, I'm just like, whoa. Did you,
1: bro, did you watch the thing Ben Askren put out, though? That was a shot-for-shot remake of the Rocky IV training montage. Oh,
2: no. you That you, was you, you incredible. I, didn't see that. I did see the press. Oh, so before I saw the press conference they had, I saw the individual interview from, God, I, I can't remember which Paul it is. Jake Paul. And he was talking about like, oh man, I clowned on uh you know Ben Askren, he's so corny and stupid, and I was like, okay. And and I guess there was like some scuffle, so I was like, okay, I gotta see this shit. So I'm watching it and like I was like, oh, I get it. This kid's delusional. He he obviously lives in his own universe where like he doesn't understand that like he's trying to rag on Ben Askren because like Ben Askren made some joke and he's like I guess Ben says something like, Oh, what is your like entourage? Do you pay them or do you like give them like sexual favors? It didn't get a laugh because they're just reporters, you know, whatever. And then I think Paul says, I'm like, oh, no, I gave him over the pants handies. And no one laughed at that. because it was just weird. And then he's like, Ben, say your joke again. Ben, say your joke. It's like, it didn't get a laugh at first. And it's just like, you're not saying anything funny. You're just being fucking retarded. And it's just, it's just, I like seeing the gears in his head where it's just like, oh, he's so delusional. Like he's, he thinks he's owning Ben Askren and then, like the mental warfare here. And then when you, when you see Ben's responses, is an extremely mature man who knows exactly what he's getting into. This is a freak show where he's making good money fighting, you know, a YouTube star. And then I think ultimately, and then, you know, hearing Jake Paul's analysis of like the scuffle at the end, where basically after their face off, Ben was walking away and just put his hand in his face and kind of pushed him away. And then to hear Jake Paul recalls it, he blasted him to the liver with a good shot. He could have knocked him out with, and then he was really surprised when he shoved Ben that Ben, you know, he wasn't as sturdy and is 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 you know grounded as he thought a wrestler would be. And then you watch it; it's like he pushed Ben from behind. No one is like not getting you know forward momentum when you push them in the way they're walking. So it's just like to Mark. See I, the think, I, I think this
1: kid is giving is doing exactly you're giving him the exact reaction. This kid go. I don't want to give the kid too much credit, but I'm about to. Sure. This kid's entire thing is like convince people he's a piece of shit, which is not difficult. And yeah, let's all watch done. the piece let's all watch the piece of shit get beat up by a real athlete. I don't but I think I think that's how
2: we see it clearly. I think that's how I a I think lot that's of how everybody see
1: it. sees it man. I don't think I, do I don't think, think uh, that's how
2: he sees it. I think he sees it as I'm the fucking man. I trashed all over that dude with my great rhetoric. And then I shoved him like a. You don't piece think, of not think he, you
1: don't think he's playing some. I mean, look I I, again. I think he is a piece of shit. But I, I
2: think your 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 arguments that he's self. Am I giving, am I am I giving him too? I'm
1: giving him all. too much credit, and you might be giving him not enough credit. There might be somewhere in the middle. Is here. The a middle
2: ground stuff? Where are <laughs> <Yeah>. you then?
1: <laughs> are you the mama bear? The middle bear?
0: ground is this: is um, the brothers are pieces of shit. Yes, yes. Uh, they've written delusional books where they just recount on uh, girls they sexually like <laughs> molested in high school and growing up. Uh, and they just talk about that non-stop. And one of them talks about the smoothie he's drinking while he's writing the book. In the book. Is, that's Clearly, he had nothing to talk about as, as they told him to start penning a book. They're not the brightest guys. They're not idiots. They know their characters. But they also believe their characters that they are. Um, it, it's brown. not totally an yeah. act. It is. they They do believe it because... They're the delusional YouTube generation, right? They believe that they're funny guys because a bunch of children are giving them tons of money. But at the same time, as I keep telling you, this is the future of boxing, right? This is this is this I is mean, boxing now. I I didn't, I didn't see all the, the the more recent stuff, but I was gonna go further back because the one thing I did see was um, someone a Mookie over on Bloody Elbow posted. He shared uh, Ben Askren's post, and it was. Ben Askren releases his training footage and it will take your breath away. And it is the most mediocre ho-hum striking. It is like <laughs> if you put me in a boxing gym and says, Stefan, record about 20 seconds of shadow boxing and mitt footage. That's the quality of boxing we're seeing. And I'm like, all right. <laughs> it does take my breath away, but not for the reason you think it does. But I liked his analysis. He's like, I expect this kid to look good. He'll, he probably has got power. He probably has speed for a couple rounds. But he's like, I'm tough as fuck. And I don't ever get tired. He's like, I'm gonna make it to the seventh round with this kid, and he's gonna be exhausted because that is true. When you watch his fight with KS, one black dude, other
2: YouTuber that he fought, I think that, that was that was his brother, right? I, then his brother fight the KS. They're the he same guy. Other, he fought another YouTuber. No, that wasn't We gotta understand.
0: It's the they the the, the Paul brothers are uh, Christian Bale's character in The Prestige, where they are twins living the life of one man.
1: That that's, is that's the
2: that makes it easier
1: for me. Look, you gotta you gotta adopt what they do on, on Ben folks's podcast, where they just give the guy they give him a new name with each one. Jim Paul, Ebenezer Paul, yeah, like uh, Austin Paul. Just give him a new first name. We'll move on with our day, okay? Yeah. By the way, you talk about this being you talk about this being the future of boxing, Mark. Right. I I posited fucking the other news that came out of this weird press conference. Mm-hmm. De La Hoya's coming back, yeah, and specifically who's... they want to book De La Hoya against an MMA fighter, and we. I told you the answer and you know, it's going to fucking happen because Anderson Silva's right for this bullshit. You know, Anderson Silva's right for this whole fucking gimmick. He's what, wanted to get in, in there. He... Weight class. Who gives a shit? He...
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> Did <laughs> Did
0: just open weight boxing. I mean, that's fine. <laughs> well, like I said, Delahoya, like Delahoya
1: looks pretty thick. Uh, he
2: might've <laughs> put on some pounds, but <laughs> yeah. I mean, Steph, you're right. He's definitely, which has been kind of the opposite. I mean, I think Steph sadly to a degree is correct. Like, there's a, I think there's a particular reason why so many of these boxers or celebrity boxers, when we talk about the Pauls, want to fight MMA fighters, and I think they're they're picking the right MMA fighters. Right when you talk about uh, Ben Askren, you talk about who's the other uh, Dylan Danos. Like these are guys that like they fight MMA, but they're grapplers. You know, they're really not known for their striking. They haven't really called out many strikers. And when you get into the professional boxers that are retired, like De De La Hoya, it's like okay, I kind of expect them to want to fight a striker but not like a legit contender in the sport of boxing, but someone who's potentially washed up in MMA and is used to using knees and kicks. So it doesn't surprise me, but it is kind of sad that the state of affairs of boxing is such that I think one, I I think for the the Pauls, it makes sense because I I do think this earlier generation is just a lot more familiar with MMA fighters than they are with boxers because I know I am, you know, and I think a lot of people are, um, you know, boxing just doesn't have that kind of, I don't know. It's just not in the mainstream as much. Um, and they know they'll get more eyes fighting a Conor McGregor than they will with, uh, um, Canelo, right? And Canelo is going to be a lot harder for them. Uh, but it's just, I don't know. It's really interesting. I don't hate it, you know, and I don't, I know there's a lot of like boxing versus MMA and people are getting, you know, all up in arms about that. I don't know who's getting upset about that. Like who's, who's really going to bank like these two sports with two guys that like one's retired and like, Basically, pushing forty had hip surgery, and one's a YouTube guy. Like he doesn't. Jake Paul does not represent boxing, okay? And Ben Askren doesn't represent the whole sport of MMA. Okay. These are okay. two guys oh, that represent man. themselves.
1: Look, you don't know what's ben, going ben on. As- on ben, Askren. ben Askren's out here defending MMA, and Jorge Masvidal is lined up behind a YouTube twat. All right. But, <laughs> I need <laughs> to <laughs> make to talk a about point that. Again,
0: to tie this back to the UFC. Ultimately, um, I'm gonna have to talk to you guys into splitting this. You know why? Because the last time they did this. That is the best stream protection I have ever seen. This stream was the hardest stream if you wanted to watch it on the internet. They knew their audience. They knew kids don't like paying for things. Remember when Dana White was getting, they got the guy, they got the one, got guy, the one guy pirating everything. Like Dana White wants Jake Paul's or Logan Paul, whichever the, he wants the Paul brothers stream team because they got that stuff down on lock. Like that stream was incredibly like. So, like the security on it, like it's a very present thing because that's we're we're in the streaming world, right? During the pandemic, especially streaming has become an all time high, and um yeah, the production on it was really locked down. So yeah, fellas, you know, when Mike gets here, you talk about the zone and all these things. No, we're talking about split Paul I Askren pay per view.
1: I think they're gonna take a bath on this one. I could be wrong, but like they're spending a lot of money. They paid Tio Teofimo Lopez so much money. They paid him like twice what any other fucking promoter was willing to offer him, and I don't know if like well, I let's love help, Ben. let help him out, guys. Is Ben Askren? And I mean, I mean, last one had Mike Tyson at the top of the bill. That's true. <laughs> then again, this has fucking what was a list of people performing? Like Bieber's on this thing. <laughs> I just uh,
2: how My might, highlight for
1: me was the uh, Mount Westmore supergroup of Snoop Dogg, Ice Cube. Too short and E40, I'm just happy too short's getting a check, man. Like, that's what I'm here for.
0: Earlier this week when Ben Askren was kind of just, like, laughing and, like, this is the biggest payday of my career, did you kind of think he's just going to pull a Bob sap? Like, is a part of you think he's just like, I'm just taking this check. I well, Bob really Sap
2: said that he'll only try for however much you're paying him. So I expect Ben, if he goes with that same model, to
1: try really hard because usually, you know, Bob Sap doesn't get paid much, he'll just take a dive. Dude, he, that video he made, that Rocky montage was not cheap, all right? Uh, by the way, why couldn't we get the version of Ben, like this version of Ben Askren in MMA, who's doing fucking Rocky montage videos like to make to sell a fight? God damn it, Ben. Like We could have I, I like <laughs> been in UFC Askin years ago. Got.
0: Bob, the version of Ben Askren we got was him having the same seats as us yelling at Johnny Hendricks from the distance because he, he can't afford them good seats.
1: That was the best part of that was we were watching Ben Askren tweet, and then I'm on my phone looking at him calling out Johnny Hendricks fat. And, we're just, and then, like, someone else we did, Ben Askren went to borrow someone's phone charger, and we saw him get up walking. <laughs> like, that was a highlight right there. Yeah, this is going to well, be a zoo.
2: Yeah, and it's coming up soon, so that's going to be exciting. Um, You know, it's going to be a shit show. I, I don't... The musical guest thing doesn't really do anything for me, because it's like, who wants to, like... I'll watch Coachella performances because I can't be at Coachella, but it's like, I don't want to pay to watch Bieber perform, you know, it's like, that's,
1: it's not for me. They have a crowd for this, right? They have a crowd last time? I have to
2: assume they do, because why the fuck have all these musical performances if there's not actually people in the audience? But we're getting close to it, you know, I I think in the weeks coming, maybe, you know, you guys want to take pics on this? Maybe we should.
1: Yeah, Ben Askren.
2: I mean, I'm I mean, feel, I, think, I mean. Hypothetically, when we're the week before, and we 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 tie it into Write it down. Pistol. Put it in stone. You know, I kind of, I kind of have been too.
0: I, I was. am gonna body hair against my head hair.
1: Dude, of all, Paul. first of all, I don't think any of the fucking waxing places are open yet. Okay. <laughs> Second of all. Um, I'm just going to feel bad if Ben does. I Look, we saw Ben die against Jorge Masvidal. I don't need that to happen again. He's, he's already faced one public shaming. This is somehow worse.
0: When Paul, by uppercut, finishes Ben Askren, he's going to be on the front page of... Read it again, no. Bobby. Uh,
1: no. I'm just well, saying, they better they better put it in the contract that Ben asher is not allowed to double like this motherfucker because he's going to throw him in the air like a pizza pie, <laughs> okay? Maybe that should be an over-under
2: me. bet. Does he go for a takedown?
1: <laughs> what if, Yeah,
0: what if Ben Ashton gets stunned, and you know when like a stunned fighter takes down the ref because they're super
2: out of it because the instincts <laughs> like kick
1: in? A, like a pizza pie, Stefan. He's going to throw this <laughs> kid in the air and start spinning him.
2: <laughs> that would be worth the pay-per-view bucks. Um, you know, unfortunately, this coming week, don't have any UFC. Uh, we do have Bellator is making their first, uh, event on, where is it? Where is it on it? Is it on USA, Bob? It's on Showtime, baby. Sh- Showtime. That's right. <laughs> Showtime. I was thinking, I don't know why. Oh no, it's one FC is going to be on wherever AEW is on. That's what I was getting yeah. confused with. Um, but yeah, uh, Bellator coming back. There's not a lot to that card. I think, um, the good pit bull is fighting Emmanuel Sanchez. It's not the good pit bull. Oh. It's not it's it's the the worst pit pit, Oh boy, no. Not even though, but, he's not a bad pit bull, it's it's not, there's a well, better pit bull I mean, of all the pit bulls. He's not the worst well, The other one pit bull. has two fucking belts. <laughs> like,
1: exactly.
2: <what> <laughs> uh, yeah, but Bellator is kicking off their uh, Showtime fights. I think they're kind of doing like one every week after that or something. The the, the train kind of gets rolling for them, and they have that light heavyweight tournament, which we'll get into it's more. When Fridays? We get Did to they it. say
1: Fridays? Or, or are they still doing Fridays?
2: I'm not sure. I'm I- I a I big fan the of them not time.
1: doing. I'm a big fan of them not doing Saturdays.
2: Not doubling up. Yeah. That makes sense. Uh, but for this week, we don't have any picks, so we're going to just dive right into stuff we like. So, uh, Bob, why don't you go ahead and start us off? What do you got this week?
1: Oh, shit. I didn't even think about that. I'm just, okay.
2: Do you need um, a second? Do you want Steph to go?
1: I do. I don't know what I did this week.
2: <laughs> Steph, you got to have some anime about someone turning into a slime queued up, right? <laughs> oh,
0: I do that anime, but it's not that, uh, you know, anything new. We actually just hit a uh, season finale. Of uh, the current run, Uh, all the animes were hitting their thing. Um, This is the one though where I feel hoodwinked, I feel bamboozled because we went into it. We talked, me and Mike talked about it. This is supposedly the final season of Attack on Titan. They keep calling it the final season, but here's the actual truth: it is the final first half of the final season. That's how they got you. Because you know, and you know when the second half is. They say they they where they would normally show the preview for the next episode. They said coming in the winter of twenty twenty two.
2: We no, have to wait over a year. What of a wait? We is this going to be Attack almost. on Titan Z?
0: <laughs> so we, uh, I, I mean, they left us at a hell of a cliffhanger. The most popular character on the show is he dead? Um, a big collision of two of the other pivotal characters. Um, it's really good. Uh, meanwhile, you know. Um, Mike, uh I I made Mike a soft boy, you know. Uh Mike is just one of these soy boys like me now. Uh watching all these rom com animes. He he's in on it. But uh Quintessential Quintuplets hit their uh season finale. Really loved it. Um couldn't get enough. And uh we got the third season coming, so that'll that'll be the final season itself. Um fortunately they will not do us dirty and split it into two, but we'll probably have to wait a year on that. Um I couldn't get enough of it. So uh my venture this week was I created a Japanese uh, Nintendo account. What does that do? It allows you to log into the Japanese Nintendo eStore, and I bought a quintessential quintuplets Nintendo Switch game, which is only in Japanese. So, uh, I was telling Mark, what I am doing is to literally play this game. I hover my cell phone with the Google Translate via the camera. And it just converts all the uh, kanji and hiragana into English for me. And uh, I basically I need to invest in some type of phone holder that hovers over my switch for me because uh, two handing it uh, is is a little tough. But I was Dude, that, Mark, app, that app
1: that app is important, bro. That's how I did laundry in Austria. Was with that app. I needed to pull it up to the machine.
0: <laughs> Look, I will say I always made fun of the idea of Google Glass. The like I was going to say glasses. Mm-hmm. I was like that's stupid. Why would I ever want that in my thing? And I'm like, oh, it translates for foreign languages for you in live real time. I'm like, okay, that makes sense. That's actually a very valuable feature, you know, especially if you're into traveling and, you know, we're talking about vaccinations and I don't know about your family and all them, but like all my family ever talks about is where we want to go whenever we can. Again, the first trips we do, um, my niece, she's been studying Japanese for several months. So we're thinking for her birthday next March, which is a year from now. Um, you know, we'll, we'll, go as a family to Japan, you know, reward her. It's the only thing she's ever really wanted is to get to see Tokyo and all that. And all That'd of us, funny. we've been to Tokyo, you know, and it, it meant a lot to us going there and everything because that's always been one of our destinations. But um, yeah, so I like Google Translate and I like anime. Um, and the two of those things are merging together. Um, it's a management simulator game. Uh, I'm sure Mark or Mike would have had questions for me about it. Um, he was asking me a little bit about it, but I'll, I'll fill him in on that next time we get to chat. I mostly but, like
2: how they're quintuplets, and yet yes. you still can't get enough. How many copies do they have to make for Stefan until you are satisfied with as many of these? It is just the, it
0: the best show. It's just the best. It is. It is. That is all my reality TV. All those seasons of
2: Bachelor that people love. That's all those feelings I have for this quintuplet show. Nice, Bob. You got a couple minutes. Is that enough time, or you want me to go?
1: I'm good. Okay, I got what do you uh you got? mine are pretty simple. I listen I didn't watch a ton of stuff. Um a lot of my viewing on the weekend time was taken by me laying in bed. Um by the way, those of you getting vaccinated, you should go to Staples. They will laminate your card for free. Yeah, oh, nice. Obviously, do that after the second one. Well,
2: Just, yeah, that's you have to still write on it, right?
1: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um I told you this um I've mentioned it a bunch of times but the New Day podcast was in rare form these right. last 2 weeks especially this week. They're doing the greatest toy ever bracket. Um That's a fun and at one. this point their second the second episode the second week is them doing the second half of the bracket of the first round. Mm-hmm. But at this point they've just devolved into being angry at their uh, producer Dan Reichert for having uh shitty toys in there and not having the right toys <laughs> sorry Where, what is the like, bracket what is the category best toys ever just toys not video games that's very toys. broad that's a very yeah. very broad well, I don't think, well like they're unhappy that like transformers is in there and he just said he's just like all right next up a tire with a stick <laughs> <laughs> what's wrong 1920s or something yeah and then like they're like what like Austin Creed is just like dad you dad you got and there's a uh, they they don't they curse on the podcast, but not really. They beep it. You just hear like Kofi Kingston just make a long expletive at the end, like beep, Dan, why? <laughs> um, that is good. Yeah, I, uh, it's, you guys know, we did a bunch of brackets. We, we probably got the idea first from these guys. It's a fun way to do a podcast. And you got three charismatic dudes on there. So, um, if you're wondering who the New Day are, those gifts you saw of, People super uh, – putting Photoshop of in- of Enganu getting lifted in the air by Usman and Alessanya. That that was the new day they put their faces on, <laughs> picking mm-hmm. up In-Gannou. Um The other one was I was able to listen to um, How Did This Get Made for the first time in a while. And I say able to listen to because that's a hard podcast to listen to if you haven't seen the movie. Right. Um, and they did one about um, the Justice League Snyder Cut. But it wasn't like a usual version of their podcast. So most of their podcast is just making fun of a movie. Um, this was like they got into a serious discussion about why they this worked versus mm-hmm. why the, other, the, the We Didn't Cut didn't work and the things they really liked. Um, Some the things they didn't like and, you know, it was – I thought specifically I thought Stefan would find it interesting. Though I imagine at this point Stefan's probably listened about and watched 17 different things about the Snyder Cut. So he may not be all – he might be all Snyder Cut it out. I also um,
0: like the Snyder Cut the least of us. I think.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, I know you don't also aren't the biggest Jason Manzucas fan either, but he's yeah, not. I don't I like yeah, he's not really raffying it up um, too much in this. Um, but I, I'm a big fan of that podcast, and it was, they did a really good job. By the way, there's a black and white version of the Snyder Cut now. Like, is that a thing? You All see right, that? Like, sure. It's on. It's on, it's on HBO. It's just Does great. it
0: also come in a uh, resolution to fit on, like, my Nokia cell phone? Like, what other what other way, choices would he like to make?
1: I did like that uh, Manzoukas is like, this movie started, I saw it was at 4.3, and I said, fuck you, Snyder, just fuck you. And I was like, okay, we're on the same page. I will say,
0: oh, when I've heard Manzoukas on podcasts, I like him infinitely more than every character he plays. I hate the well, character he plays, but when he's actually his normal self, I think he's a much like more digestible person, I guess. I exactly.
1: And then, um, not to make this sad because I'm going to talk about it happy terms, but we lost Jessica Walter this week, yeah, who played Lucille Bluth and Mallory Archer. Um, you know who
0: else she played? Because I was saying like, oh, she's a Hall of Fame mom. I didn't know she was the mom on Dinosaurs. You remember Dinosaurs oh, from I back? Did not know.
1: Dinosaurs from back in the day. I the mean, like, baby, her- her- I'm the baby. Gotta love me. I remember that her- show. He, her playing Mallory Archer was also just her playing Lucille Bluth in a different show, True. really. Mm-hmm. Um, just one of the greatest TV moms ever, apparently for multiple shows. And I had a lot of fun sending gifts to people that day. And it wasn't, you know, she's 80 years old. You want people, of course, not to pass away. But, you know, you try to think about the happy memory she's left us with. And, like, you know, go play. Uh, here's some money, you know. The, was it a go watch a star war or whatever was it that's that
0: one i mean <laughs> um, how much could a banana cost
1: ten dollars yeah um i yeah just there's so many classic lines from her on that show specifically and she was that show literally has perfect casting so her um she nailed it in that and you know it was sad to see her go but just reminded me of like i should watch rest of development again
0: yeah, that was my uh, family text thread where a bunch of gifts and quotes. Um, like the main family in uh, Arrest Development, I am one of four siblings. So you know, having a mom saying hey, you're my third least favorite
1: child and
0: things like that. All those
1: comments and the yeah. math. you know, Mark, should we decide which one of them Stefan is, which are the Bluth kids? Because I think I mean any of the answers is offensive. If it if it is a Michael, right? Which oh one yeah, you on exactly. there's one.
0: Well, good you one, really. Right? I mean, it's which one of I my mean, personality wise, but the one everyone quotes me as is obviously they call refer. My siblings would call me Buster because I'm yeah, the, the youngest baby and the yeah. baby. I'm the baby <laughs> and the favorite, and I can say that proudly because I'm pretty sure my siblings aren't listening to this podcast. But I'm the favorite. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> but yeah, I mean, if you've never seen Arrested Development, of course you probably should. At this point, why haven't you? But you probably have between you probably seen her, you probably heard her, heard her, or seen her between Archer and Arrested Development. Two massively successful TV shows. So, rest in peace to Miss Jessica Walter.
2: Yeah, nice. Um, so I'll round us out. Uh, I got a couple things backlog from weeks prior. Uh, I apparently have been on a big uh, Canadian sitcom kick because after finishing Shit's Creek, shortly after that, I randomly and I had seen advertisements for it before completely had written it off. But um, you know, me and Christine actually gave Letter Kenny a solid try. Uh, it is on Hulu and. I can easily recommend it. It is a fantastic show. Um, and like I said, when I first saw advertisements for it, I thought it was masculine tox uh toxicity of the show because the advertisements were just like a bunch of dudes fighting each other and some hot broads onto the side, and I was just like, what is this? But basically it's about some um, you know, self-proclaimed hicks in uh, Ontario. And the writing is just top-notch. If you like wordplay and puns, the show's got it in doubles. Really fun characters um and I, maybe it's a canadian thing i don't really know short seasons i think each season was seven episodes long uh, it's still ongoing they eventually got picked up by hulu i think it's like a hulu exclusive now and honestly that's my biggest gripe about the show is it's on hulu and i have fucking commercial breaks and that just makes every you know 22 ep- a minute episode 30 minutes and you see the same ads over and over again, but the shows. Well,
1: isn't that on you, Mark? At that point, though, couldn't you solve the commercial? I guess problem if I want to pay for three, even for three more, more dollars.
2: But the for- thing that really unsold me on that is that I heard that even if you pay the premium, mm. you can still get some ads. It's like I'm going to yeah. pay more money and then still have to see <laughs> some fucking ads like that is just bullshit.
1: I've heard really good things about that show, though, honestly. It is really you, you, good. You and, sent and me a clip, but I'd heard it was good stuff. Yeah, already. and
2: that's kind of, I had been hearing good things, and, you know, we kind of needed a new sitcom. So I was like, you know what? Let's give this a shot. And it, it won us over within the first episode. It's an easy recommendation. Uh, another show that, you know, Steph actually recommended a while ago, I gave a shot to, and it didn't, you know, the first couple episodes didn't really click with me, but I went back to it, and I ended up just loving it, is uh, Kim's Convenience. This is uh, on Netflix, this is another t- uh, Canadian show. Um about a Korean family and their convenience store and their family and their kind of you know misadventures they get into um I think it's 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 one of those sitcoms that I think is really easily watched you know it's not super i don't think the storylines are going for a lot early on, I think you know as you get. More used to the characters and some of their story arcs, I, I do think it it does carry a heavier note, and I think in these later seasons it kind of does that pretty well um, but after coming back to it, I really do like the show i actually i I, I really love the show and i'm i'm anticipating the next fifth season coming on Netflix soon. Um, I really appreciated that show. another show that actually just started that I really liked, and the first review I saw for it wasn 't super amazing is um invincible on Amazon. So Invincible is actually an animated series based off of Robert Kirkman's first comic with Image, which is basically his superhero comic. And I remember hearing about it for a long time. And when I finally gave the comic a shot, it was after I had been pretty involved with the MCU. So I was very tuned up for some superhero-like antics. And the series and this animated series, I mean, it takes a lot from Marvel and DC you know, they, they switch it up and put their own spin on it, but a lot of the characters are like, okay, that's obviously their Wonder Woman. This guy's like Superman. This guy's like Batman. It does a really good job. And I think one of the things I told Steph earlier when I was um telling about the show, I think the voice acting in it is pretty solid and it does the characters justice. They just they obviously went for a lot of big name actors. And two of the actors, one, we've already mentioned, mentioned Jason Manzukis, and another one that plays Omni-Man, one of the main characters, is J.K. Simmons. Those two guys' voice are just so unique. You know, when they do their first line, it's like, oh, Christine was like, who's that guy? I was like, oh, that's J.K. Simmons. Like, oh, that's right. Because, like, it's hard to really have these characters have their own identity when you... Uh, you know are able to ID who's doing the voice so quickly I, I, I still think they do a great job I think they they give a good voice to those characters they're just so iconic they kind of stick out immediately I think uh, Steven Yu who does um, Invincible actually does a really good job I couldn't it and is probably because I haven't seen him in as much stuff but I couldn't tell it was him at all you know he just seemed like a white suburban kid as far as I could tell um, I think the show is really fun. I think what Amazon has kind of gone for, and this is what the comics did too, is they're definitely playing up the superhero, but more grounded, realistic, and gritty. I would say more violent in this in this tenure. Like, I heard early on, like oh, this show's pretty violent, which the comic is too. And it's not until like the end of the first episode, they really ranched that shit up. And it kind of shocks you a little bit, just how gory and violent the show is. But it's really good. I was, you know, IGN gave the first episodes uh, a six. So I had low expectations, but after watching it, I was like, I really like this show. I'm looking forward to it um, each week. So they're, they're doing the boys I... thing where they put three episodes out at once and they're going to do weekly installments from there. You have a question? Sir? Yeah,
0: what I would ask you, Mark, is because the the thing is, um, I, I don't want to go in on too much spoilers. I, I never read Invincible as much as, you know, mm-hmm. as familiar as I am with Kirkman from Walking Dead and all that stuff. Um, but the one name that kind of seems to obviously come up as a a comparison is the boys mm-hmm. yeah so I was just curious how you would compare the two in terms of content and subject
2: matter it definitely i mean I think it you can compare it to the boys where it's not like as i mean like adult themed with them like getting into sexual stuff. it's really just the gore um and what's weird is I heard it was very gory um watching it, and like the first scene they have a big fight scene, and it's not that gory, there's like some blood and stuff. But it's really – they ranch up the gore when you really need it. Something major happens that is extremely unexpected. And I think they really punctuate that scene by having, like, an extremely gory, violent scene to really punctuate. Like, oh, you didn't expect this to happen, and you didn't expect this show to be as graphic as it is. Um, Other than that, like, I think it's funny. It's clever which is, these these are all things when I read the comic, like, I really got into the comics because they were really well-written, and even though they're treading on well-traveled territory, like, the you know, a lot of the stuff is, like I said, just ripped from Marvel and DC, but they put their own spin on it that kind of makes it unique in its own. Um, and then, the, you know, there's some twists and turns. I thought they would get to the big twist earlier than they have so far. I mean, they basically, in the first episode, you kind of get allude to it, but um, the comic was really interesting. And I think the show does the comic a lot of justice. So I'm I'm, I'm super pleased with what I saw. Um, and I would definitely recommend it's an e- another, you know, all these shows I recommended today. These are easy recommends. You know, a lot of times when we do stuff we like, I might preface, preface it like, I really like this. I don't know if you will. If you like X, Y, and Z, maybe this will be up your alley. All of these things are just easy sells. Um, yeah, so I really enjoyed it. You know, now Friday's an easy superhero day for me because we got Falcon and Winter Soldier. I thought episode two was great. Um, we're going to get into that when we kind of wrap up the whole series, um, and then Invincible's really been rounding out that whole
1: um, kind of superhero Friday for me. Um, but that's all I got. So I think that when you said anim- when you said animated series, mm-hmm. I thought I'm like I'm like oh Mark's going to talk about the Great North. Mark started watching the Great North. I have way. not. I've seen I've seen the I've watched five episodes. Is it any good? I like it. It kind of is. It doesn't. Gr- it's I'm directly comparing it to Bob's Burgers because it looks it's just the like Bob's like Burgers it. people. Yeah, it's also the same people. It doesn't. It didn't get me the way Bob's Burgers did immediately. Right, but like a few episodes in, I'm just like, I'm, I'm at the point now where I'm not just hearing Ron Swanson, and okay. I'm not just hearing like um the SNL guys in there, and there's a couple other voices that I recognize. Um, and like I the thing I do dig is that with the girl's imaginary friend is Alanis Morissette. Okay. And she's in there's the sky.
2: another Bob's Burger people show. Yeah, because there was because, one on Apple TV too.
0: Yeah, I was just gonna say my sister, uh, since we had just watched, um, she introduced me to uh, Ted Lasso via Apple TV. She showed me Central Park with right, uh, Josh also, Gad, yeah. which I was like, "Oh, this is 100% the Bob's Burger art style." Yep. And that same kind of here, I'm like, oh, they, "They have they got multiple shows going." All right. Well,
1: this is like the writers, like the Molino sisters, who like wrote for Bob's Burgers and have been the whole time. I'm not sure. If it's, I forgot the name the name of the guy. Uh Lauren, whatever, who runs Bob's Burgers. Yeah. Bouchard, Lauren, I think.
2: Yeah, Bouchard or something like that. Yeah.
1: But this is pretty much is like it's a family up in um Alaska. Nick Offerman's a single dad. And he's got a bunch of kids. Like um, I think like the the lead is the other is the oldest daughter. Um, I think Jenny Slate. You probably okay. recognize her from a bunch of stuff. But then you have like Will Forte sounds like Will fucking Forte. Right. That's what he sounds like in everything. And you know um, but like Megan Mullally's in there. Offerman's wife's in there. And Alanis Morrison as the imaginary friend. I like it partly because like she's in the sky and I'm like, she's reprising her character of God from Dogma. Dogma, that yeah. Makes me happy. Yeah. Um, I dig it. It's not like, it's not, Bos- I love Burgers. I probably like it more than any of us talking right here. Uh, it's one of my favorite animated series ever. So I was going to give this a chance no matter what. And I, I, I like it as I'm, I'm, I'm five episodes in. I think there's been a couple more I'll probably watch it uh you know later tonight some of it um but I didn't bring it up in stuff we like cuz I'm not sure how much yet but I thought maybe you had because I know you're you'll watch pretty much any animated comedy show eventually yeah <laughs> Bobby, I that's,
0: that's just the mike special I'm watching something I don't well, know I
1: thought how Mark I was I, thought about Mark was, I thought Mark was going yeah. to jump in on it I haven't jumped, in
2: jumped on that one and there is also another season of Solar Opposites on Hulu too so th- there's a lot of good stuff out there you know there's always some good stuff on streaming it's sometimes Yeah, it's just hard to to find what's what's good and what's worth your while. So I definitely do want to try um, those out. But I think that's going to do it for this episode. Uh, I want to thank you guys for listening. Thanks for Bobby letting me host. A little rocky here and there, but, you know, it's like, you know, uh, the kid on the training wheels, you know, right? When you take those wheels off, you know, you're going to have a couple spills here and there, but we're up. We're rolling. Um, And, you know, next week we're going to be breaking down the next UFC card. We have Till and Marvin... uh, Vittori. Not much
1: else after that, <laughs> you know. We got hashtag some- Team <laughs> Marvin, hashtag Team Marvin over here, boys. Rooting for Marvin. <laughs> we got Sam Alvey still <laughs> you on the gave card. The
0: preview, Mike or Mark. We're we're picking. We're
1: picking. we uh, picking- <laughs> versus Paul. That's that's the yeah. fight card we're breaking. I, I, th- I think we actually get to pick one FC next week too. I that's, think they're doing that. Uh, right? The
2: askrin thing
1: should be a week after. Um, that's the. But we got week, one FC. Right?
2: What's in one FC? I,
1: th- I think we get Demetrius fight. fighting. I think they start their US shows that week. Oh, okay. I think Demetrius okay. is on there.
2: Yeah, so we're rolling. We're rolling after uh, this episode. But yeah, I want to thank you guys. I, I do want to give a shout out to Mike, not only you know for you know just being part of the podcast. I've been enjoying the stuff he's been putting on YouTube. I do recommend you guys watch. I think a lot of people watch the podcast. I, I got to give a shout out to his stuff we like. Mike takes the time. He puts in those memes. He puts in those gifts. It makes it fucking entertaining. He's talking about George St. Pierre, and he's got the tough memes going on. I'm like, Mike's getting into this. He's
1: making this fun. Um, Mike, I want the I want the GIF of the new day superimposed with Adasanya, Usman, <laughs> and Ngani. Mean, I feel bad. I want that, that. He's putting in extra
2: work to put that stuff in. God bless <laughs> him. Uh, but yeah, I want to. And thanks, thanks for everyone for you know listening and watching uh, the stuff on YouTube. However you consume our podcast, super appreciative of it. Um, but that's gonna do it for this week. So I want to thank Dr. Law, Kid Presentable, myself, DJ Mark. Um, see you guys next week. Cheers.